This is Veterans Voices with Kevin Berger, Memories and Stories of Minnesota's Korean War Veterans. It was September, but it was a hot night when I drove down to Owatonna, to a Lutheran church there, to hear the story of a Korean veteran. And I think if somebody in Hollywood would hear this story, they would want to make a movie out of this, out of what this guy experienced. It was the first person story told by Roger Davis. He's now 92 years old, and I think he had unique service. He was stationed in what they call Camp Bow Wow. He was a dog handler. I, I don't think it was uh, in Korea. anything serious because if you look at uh, the guy still has his rifle. Mm-hmm. He told his story he just, in the chancel of the church, uh, and yeah. he was the featured speaker at Owatonna's Veterans Roundtable. It's an event they have there once a month. They have different veterans who come in and tell their first-person real-life story, and it was his turn that time. How long were your shifts then? we go out, say about 7, come back about midnight. So Mr. Davis had experienced a heart attack less than a month before his evening to speak. So in light of that, he was seated with an organizer from the veterans group that kind of led him through his story, and his daughter sat there with him. And they had a PowerPoint, and they kind of reminded him and kind of prompted him. But he did a great job telling his story. Standard issue, uh, King. That's what transported him the dogs. It looks like a trap. Six, seven, eight. Were there some on this side too? Yes. Okay. So you could actually put 60. 16. Yeah, okay. Mr. Davis grew up on a farm uh, near Owatonna, and his yeah. family had cattle yes. and sheep and, and chickens and, of course, dogs, and so he's very comfortable around animals, and that was, that was what they were looking for. When Mr. Davis was drafted, there were a group of young Midwestern farm boys that were identified. Uh, They were from Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, you know, the whole breadbasket of the country. And they were selected to be dog handlers. And they got special training. They were in Colorado. And uh, they were to work with dogs uh, in the DMZ. Okay, my question is, was your, basically your job was to go up and down with your dog, up and down on the DMZ? Yes. All of you guys? There would be, I think it was three guys that have to go every night out with their dog. They wouldn't all take the same path, all have a different path, the DMZ, and follow that all the way until you found to the end, then you have to come back. He told his story, and then at the end, people had the chance to ask questions. But after that, I got a chance to sit down with him. And there was one thing that no one had asked, and it was the first thing I had to know. Did you love your dog? Yes. Yes. You did not hesitate at all. That's right. (laughs) No, that was... I had, uh, let's see, one. I think I had three dogs before I got the one that I ended up with. And that, yeah, and he, that was the pet for my, yeah, that, that was the best one of the bunch, anyway. What was his personality like? Well, real gentle with, with me. 
But uh, stranger, no way. No way. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but he, he, he was real good. I could go out and walk with him, turn him loose off the leash. He'd just run out, and then he'd come back. And then you'd uh, go in and feed him. You could get in on him, but no, nobody else. Oh, there was some of them was gentle enough with everybody, but uh, the one I had, nobody, they'd take the pan and put, take a stick and push it in. <laughs> yeah. Describe him. Well, it wasn't a big dog, but it was German Shepherd, but it was a smaller dog. And I don't know, he wasn't, didn't have the markings of a real German Shepherd, but... Did you feel like Prince was your partner? Yes, way much so. Yep. Yeah, you couldn't, he wouldn't go nowhere else, nobody else. That, that dog was your dog. So you were far away from home. Did it comfort you to have your dog? Yeah, it was. It was good to have him with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other there was thirty of us in there, but uh, the dog was always seemed to be with you. If you'd be someplace and the dog, he'd know where. They only had the one owner too, they're the one handler. So he was loyal to you? Yes, yep, you bet he was. One of the things that the military did was that the dog that was assigned to the individual, that was the person that took care of the dog. An idea that that would build that intense loyalty that would be needed. They trained in Colorado and they worked with the dogs individually They had to prepare the dogs to be prepared to hear gunfire. And they had different decoys that would kind of jump so, you know, something would spring up so that the dog would be prepared for that. They weeded out some of the dogs to to have the best ones. And how did they pick you to work with the dog? How did that happen? I don't know. We was out on bivouac doing that Jeep come around, picked up. Guys and took us in and said you're going for dog training. So we didn't know nothing about it until they got us back there. So then we had the training. It kept us in the states quite a while. And how uh, when you were in Colorado, what was how did you train them or work with them? What sort of things did you do to to get ready? We'd have to go out. Well, daytime or nighttime, and then they take had trails you had to walk, and then they'd have decoys set up. You didn't know where they was going to be, up in a tree or back in the woods or where it was, but your dog would have to either, uh, if he smelt something, he'd alert you to that way or up or wherever he thought it was coming from. Then you had, you'd go in and see what he done or what he smelled or whatever. Throughout history, uh, in battle, uh, soldiers have had dogs with them. And today, we we see dogs in airports. We see them with law enforcement. Uh, there's a whole field of study to really understand how these canine partners are used. 
and you know when when one of them it perishes in the line of duty it, it's almost as if they were they were human it's it's regarded as a deep loss but in the korean war era there wasn't that kind of understanding of of what dogs could do they tried to almost keep them wild so that they would be vicious why did you have dogs what was the training what was that for go out at night all night work and uh, you'd go down, they had a, oh, it was a kind of a dirt trail. Well, jeeps could run it and everything, but it was in the DMZ right up there. Then you had to walk that with your dog every night and see if there was any enemy on the north side. If you were out on patrol with your dog and it alerted, then what happened? There was always about three or to five guys behind us. They'd have to go see what the dog found. We didn't. We stayed with the dog. The dog didn't have to go no further. So do you think those dogs actually helped the American mission in Korea? Yes. Yes, I do. How did they help? Well, keep the enemy back to know they knew, they knew we had them there. They'd, they'd stay away from them, yeah. They'd stay back. Camp Bow Wow was kind of a, a cool assignment. And in 1954, uh, the truce had been signed, but there was still like 100,000 American troops in Korea. And Marilyn Monroe, who was a big star at that time, there's a little uh, uh, audio of her. Marilyn Monroe arrives in Korea to tour the front lines for four days. And she did 10 different dates up and down the peninsula, uh, and shook and shimmied and sang. And Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Mr. Davis said that they knew somebody was coming in, and they saw somebody coming up in a jeep, and they thought it was some kind of a big general or something, and instead it's Marilyn Monroe. Oh, Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, she come up there in a jeep, and nobody knew who it was until they saw it, but then you should have saw him flock around. <laughs> she was from here to that chair. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that chair is about a foot away, so, yeah. huh? Yeah. We had one dog, though. He grabbed at her, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, they was all good. And I have to ask, was she beautiful? Yes, she was. Yeah, she had army clothes on. Then the guy that, uh, I suppose, jeep driver, whatever, was with him. They, they stayed right close by. Now, did she come to see your unit because you were kind of special? I believe it was. I don't know for sure, but uh, I, they all kind of thought that's what it was. Yeah. Kind of a, a tough part of the story was... He had to leave the dog. When his, when his assignment was over, he went home. And uh, at the time, they, they told him that 
the dog went to Tokyo, and there was a, a large American contingent there and that the dogs were being used there. But I don't know if that's one of those things like they tell kids the dog is going to a farm. Again, these canines were viewed differently in that era than they would be today. We see the stories of the servicemen who the dogs come home with them or, you know, these dogs who serve bravely deserve uh, a, a great life for the rest of their life. And it, it, there might have been a different thought about that at the time. Well, when you left, you had to leave him there? Yes. Yeah, the dog stayed. Did you miss him? And I understand that uh, they sent him to Japan for sentry dog, guard dogs then. Did you think of him after you left? Oh, yeah, you miss him. Mm -hmm. I still can see the dog. He talks about coming home. It just happened to have been on Christmas. And he had been gone for such a long time, and, he, and the bus dropped him off. And his mom came running out to hug him, and he walked into his familiar home, and he could smell bread baking. He was so happy, so grateful to be home at last again. Um, and uh, I know that you have stayed in close touch with the other people that were in your unit. Why do you think, you know, some people, they do this and they move on, but it sounds like you, you, this is a group that stuck together. Yeah, there, I think it was 32 of us. Mm -hmm. and we have a reunion every year on Labor Day weekend, different, different state, wherever it is from. But they usually have a pretty good turnout. Yeah. Why do you like to still get together? Oh, well, I don't know, just kind of like family. <laughs> and this group that he was with, they've continued to get together over the years. They have a, an annual reunion. And at the last one, he says there were only eight of the guys that came. There are 13 out of the original 30-something that are, that are still here. And he says really all but... Two of them who've died, died of lung cancer. Smoking was very much a lot of sitting around and waiting and smoking. And, of course, no one was quite aware of how dangerous that was long term. But in many of the pictures that I saw of uh, the, the, the soldiers who were at Camp Bow Wow, there's this, they have cigarettes in their mouth. Veterans Voices Korea is produced by Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund online at minnesotavets.org.